Welcome to the Houseman Financial Podcast. I'm Trudy Houseman. This podcast was created to help our clients and their families answer confusing money questions simply. We know smart families talk about money. So today we're going to talk about a subject that's really near and dear to my heart, college funding and giving money to kids. Speaking as a mom with four, yes, four children in college right now, I can say that there's not one aspect of this I haven't had to go through personally. We all know the cost of college has skyrocketed and along with it, the interest in saving. And we all hope and pray that one of our kids at least will make it into an Ivy League school. But of course, then we are faced with the dilemma of how to pay for it. Parents and grandparents alike worry that lack of funds might prevent their family from reaching their potential. But while parents are almost exclusively focused on college, grandparents sometimes are interested in making more general gifts. There's three major options, and each one suits a different situation. The first is the oldest. These are called UGMA or UTMAs, fondly referred to as UGMAs, probably because they sound like OMA, which means grandmother, because that's usually who puts the money in these. UGMA stands for Uniform Gift to Minors. These were established in 1996 and 1986, respectively, and both allow for the gifting of cash, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds to minors. The UTMA allows for the transfer of insurance, art, real estate, and other stuff, but I can't think of a single time in my career when anybody's even thought about giving those to a kid. There is one other difference that does come into play, and it's the age at which the child gets control of the account. For UGMAs, the account matures when your child reaches age 18, while the UTMA allows you to maintain control until 25. And I can say that every parent and grandparent I've ever talked to has wanted to control it until 25. Although I have to say, realistically, it's rare for a child to even realize they have a custodial account, never mind figuring out how to gain control of it. I think my brother's the only kid I ever met who tracked down his college fund and cashed it out. And unfortunately, it wasn't for college. It was for our new motorcycle. The problem usually is that the minor actually has to write to the institution, provide proof of age, and request their guardian be removed. UTMAs used to be really popular for transferring assets to kids in order for parents and grandparents to avoid capital gains tax, as a child could then sell things like highly appreciated stock or stock options and have them taxed at a very low rate. This changed a few years back when the IRS cracked down on these accounts, but still the first $1,100 of earnings on an UTMA are tax-free and the next $1,100 are taxed at the child's rate. Everything above that reverts back to the parent's rate. Even if taxes aren't a consideration, grandparents are often interested in these UGMA UTMA accounts because they're really flexible. The proceeds don't have to be used for education. They can be used for any purpose at all. Again, this could be good or bad depending on the situation because it means you can use the money for a house, car, or travel, but also for drugs, tattoos, or in my brother's case, that motorcycle. UTMA UGMA accounts are set up with one custodian and one beneficiary. And while the gifts to these are considered irrevocable, the custodian can make withdrawals on behalf of the child if the money is used for that child. Some of the uses might be things like summer camp, lessons, cars, and the like. There's also no minimum or maximum amount for funding these accounts. The second option for funding education specifically is a 529 plan. 
Anyone can set up a 529 plan and there are any income limits on the person making the contribution. 529 plans are sponsored by each state and some state plans provide extra benefits to residents. Uh, For instance, Oregon provides a tax credit of up to $300 for residents who contribute to their state plan and Arizona offers a $4,000 deduction on state taxes. Some states also offer prepaid tuition where you lock in today's price for your home state school. But these can be really restrictive if your child doesn't end up attending a state school. The main advantage of a 529 plan is that there are very high limits on how much you can put in, anywhere from 235 to as much as $550,000 in some states. Furthermore, the investment grows tax-deferred, and it can be withdrawn tax-free if it's used for higher education. This makes it a great vehicle for transferring wealth as the funds accumulate outside the estate of the contributor. The downside, of course, is that if the funds aren't used for higher education, the withdrawals are subject not only to tax, but a 10% penalty as well. This makes overfunding such an account of particular concern. Recently, the IRS expanded the rules on 529 plans to allow up to $10,000 a year to be used for K-12 school. So it's opened up some flexibility, but it's still a concern for some families. What if my kid doesn't go to college? What if they don't use it at all? These can be real concerns. Thankfully, there's some planning options. For instance, many trade schools qualify as higher education. Even culinary, flight, and more than a couple golf schools qualify. Also, there's no limit on changing the beneficiary as long as they're still family members. Excess funds can be transferred to siblings, cousins, and other grandkids. I have one client who kept his leftover 529 plans and years later named his first child as the new beneficiary. His daughter had a college fund even before she had a social security number. There are also exceptions to the penalty in the case of death or disability, which oddly offers some interesting planning opportunities. For instance, a grandparent could name themselves as the new beneficiary and then use the funds to pay for their own long-term care. In any event, it's a good idea to talk to an advisor to figure out if this type of plan is right for your family, and if it is, which state plan is best for you. Also, how much to allocate to it. The third type of plan for education is actually called an educational IRA, or a Coverdell plan. I think it's named after the legislator who proposed it. Like the 529 plan, contributions aren't deductible, but they do grow tax-deferred and can be taken out tax-free if used for education. Unlike the 529 plan, this one can be used for any level of education with no limits on K-12. through And they aren't sponsored or limited by state plans. However, there are more stringent limits on how much can be contributed and who can contribute. For instance, the maximum that can be contributed in any one year is $2,000. And for those making over $190,000 as a married couple or $95,000 as a single, Coverdells might not be allowed at all. In addition, contributions can't be made for beneficiaries after the age of 18, and they have to be used by the age of 30 or transferred to a 529. In my experience, the only real advantage to the Coverdell is the ability to invest in individual stocks if one really wants to, and the flexibility to use more than $10,000 for K-12 education. But given the funding limits, it's hard to see how you'd ever accumulate enough to exceed the $10,000 a year cost on K-12, 
unless, of course, you're one of those tech titans and you can buy your company stock pre-IPO. Of course, there's one final option without any tax benefits, but with the ultimate amount of flexibility. And that's the idea of starting an investment plan for yourself with the intention of using it to pay for college, but knowing that if it isn't needed, it's still in your name and can be used for anything you like, from a new swimming pool to an exotic vacation. I have one couple that I started working with decades ago. They started putting away $50 a month for their son when he was just an infant, and we eventually worked up to $250 a month. After four years at UC Irvine, they still had $90,000 left over and treated themselves to a fabulous trip. They celebrated his graduation more than he did. Hopefully, we won't end up using this money to support the kids that never make it to college. Speaking as a mom, once again, with four kids in college, everywhere from community college to USC and an out-of-state school somewhere in between, these are strategies that you'll really want to implement. We started planning for ours the day they were born, and I still am not sure if it's going to last. So whether you're looking at an UTMA 529 or Coverdell, talk to your advisor about the best fit for you. Thanks for joining us. If you found this podcast helpful, leave a review today. We'd love to hear from you. Click the link in the show notes to talk to a Houseman Financial Advisor and get your money questions answered.